How delightful it is today to be able to come together for the purpose that we are, to desire to worship God. As Gary mentioned earlier, it's certainly a thankful thing that our membership is able to be with us today. And certainly those also who are visitors have come our way. We're delighted for each and every person that's here. And we truly trust more than all else that our service will be pleasing unto God and will certainly edify and exhort you and me. I realize that today being Christmas Day is one that the world looks upon with extreme interest in so many ways. And yet you and I, we of course appreciate that according to the Word of God, it seems Jesus wasn't born this time of year. In all likelihood, more near the end of September, early October. And yet as the world has selected this day to at least turn some attention and thought to Jesus Himself, you and I look forward to doing that every time we come together and assemble. For that reason, I thought this lesson today I would organize in the following way, entitled, as you can see, this year and next year. For the next few moments, would you journey with me, not only over some of the matters of the year 2016, but also some of the issues of 2017. Today's the 52nd Sunday of the year 2016. Fifty-two times then, we've had the privilege of assembling on a Sunday and yet, of course, many times more than once that day. And yet, as you look at that particular slide, you notice that there's so many things that may well cross your mind and mine. Maybe in your individual family this year has brought a lot of joy. Maybe a lot of wonderful occurrences. However, it wouldn't be too surprising if, as you recollect on this year, there have been some disappointments, maybe even some losses. And yet the same thing in some ways could well be said about the Pippin family, our spiritual church family. There have also been some joyous occasions of celebration, but there's also been some times of great decision, some moments that are rather weighty, some decisions that some have made that have broken our heart. Suppose then in light of all that, why don't we use our time today to reflect on this year that's passed? And also to think about this one that stands just over the very short horizon ahead of us. As you close that particular slide, then that reflection will be the first part of the lesson, and then we will anticipate near the end. I've tried to summarize many of the things that might well be descriptive of our family in terms of collective activities. This is by no means a complete list. It is by no means an exhaustive one by any stretch of the imagination. But why don't we start like this? Do you realize we've had the joyous opportunity 210 times to gather in a collective way for either worship or Bible study? 210 times to fulfill the commandment of the precious Savior when He said, Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And those times have been rewarding and rich and encouraging and educational but not only that, notice what immediately follows. During those times we've come together, do you realize we have sung over 900 songs? Songs of praise and songs of adoration, songs of exaltation, songs in which we taught and admonished each other. For isn't it true that not only do we praise and magnify God, but in those activities of singing... Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. We've taught and admonished each other every one of those 900 times. In addition to that, though, notice the one that follows it. 550 times we collectively prayed. 
Now, that, of course, is much in addition to the individual prayers you and I may have uttered. I mean, collectively as a group, a body of the people of God, we offered 550 prayers unto God. If it's true that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, James 5, 16, think of the power inherent in that activity. We approach the throne of God that many times, not only expressing our heartfelt appreciation and thanks, but laying on Him the burdens of our heart. In addition to that, notice, over $160,000, we as a group of the people of God gave as we were prospered, intending that money to be used for the outgrowth of the kingdom of God and for the various activities approved in the New Testament. What a delightful thing to consider the power of the things that were done by virtue of that contribution. God's been really good to us physically, materially, physically. And yet in light of all those things, you realize how sweet it is that we can offer a part of that back to Him. You'll notice as you look at that particular slide, that's an increase over last year. Some might argue that the economy is weak or at least is in a point of strengthening, and yet look at our contribution. I'd submit to you that's nothing of which we inherently take pride. We simply are thankful that we can do that which the Bible commands. In a moment, we'll talk about some of the things that money has been used for. But isn't it amazing to think over a synopsis of that year about that much money and how God is able to use that to bring about goodness in the lives of those here and, yea, around the world in light of the gospel. You may notice the next one on the slide. 158 sermons and devotions we were privileged to be a part of to hear teaching from the Word of God that drew our attention and our hearts back to the truth, not to cultural or societal matters, but rather to the answer of the conscience concerning the things of God. As you think again about a year with 52 weeks, you simply appreciate 158 times we had the privilege, and I would consider it that, wouldn't you? A privilege to feed our soul upon that which is timeless. You'll notice at the bottom of that slide that would also involve 104 Bible study periods. It doesn't take long to appreciate the fact that we consider very highly and prized the nature of the Word of God. Bible sermons that are based upon it, Bible classes that surround it and engulf it. We do that for a purpose because didn't Jesus say, The words that I say unto thee, they are spirit and they are life. John 6 verse 63. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4 verse 12. In light of our interest in the Word of God, at the bottom I've tried to tally it by virtue of an approximate number of hours. Roughly 64 hours of Bible instruction in those devotions and sermons. 64 hours. It might well be that some would look upon that with lightness or maybe even an area in, in triviality for after all, there's a lot of hours in a year. And yet you and I have appreciated the absolute investment of 64 of them to be fed with the Word of God. May we never take that lightly. and May we never abuse that privilege 
But may we strive and make a greatest of priority and assertion to try to be present at them. The top of the next slide will give us another element in number. It'll be this one. Roughly the same amount of time devoted in those Bible studies. As you can see, adding the two together, we're at almost 130 hours. That's no light matter, my friend. And yet, our elders, and yea, we as a congregation, have determined that those are vitally great periods of assembly and significance. Looking down the list furthermore, two baptisms we enjoyed this year and 19 precious restorations. Individuals who made a decision to put their Lord on in baptism, or yea, those who've made recognition that some matters in life were such that they were interested in rededication. We've been honored to pray on every one of those occasions, those restoration occasions. May I suggest in the coming year that you and I keep very much in the forefront of our heart and mind opportunities to share the message of the gospel. And we'll be looking at some matters and sermons and otherwise in the coming year that hopefully will be of assistance to us in that way. Continuing on the list, we as a congregation, the Pippin Church of Christ, have sponsored not one but two radio programs. One of them, the Lord's Word, is such that that program now airs six days a week, but we sponsor one of the days. Every Tuesday, we sponsor a program that lasts about 15 minutes. In totality over the year, that's about 13 hours of Bible instruction. And that signal is broadcast all over the Upper Cumberland area of the state of Tennessee. I'm sure we can each be thankful of the number of ears, the number of individuals that that kind of program may well be reaching, some whom you and I may never directly hear from, but yet they're blessed by it. What about that other one, a challenge to think? Our congregation sponsors it, and though it airs every Sunday, we sponsor the first Sunday of the month. So next Sunday will be the first occurrence for the year 2017, and yet about five hours of Bible instruction. That one lasts about 25 minutes for each episode. Our congregation is doing that. We're sponsoring the monies for airing those programs, and our goal and our intent is to share the truth. That's what people need to hear. In addition to that, notice... We're continuing to sponsor an article in the Herald Citizen. 27 times this year an article aired, or at least was printed in that publication. Individuals have the opportunity to read it, to reflect upon it, to study it, to consider it, and sometimes to be very powerfully challenged by it. But our congregation has tried to bless the Upper Cumberland by way of both radio and, and newspaper article. May I suggest... We continue onward. I mentioned earlier that our congregation, in efforts concerning the things taught in the New Testament, look at some of the works. This is by no means all of them. The Gospel Broadcasting Network, we as a congregation sponsor at least a part of it. Now we know that particular opportunity is such that that's broadcast all across our country and yet even internationally. And yet we sponsor a number of dollars every month to GBN. To that list, a moment ago it was read that we'd received a card from Robert Oliver, that congregation in Clinton, North Carolina. There aren't many churches of Christ, sadly enough, 
in that part of the state of North Carolina. And yet that congregation is continuing in its efforts of faithfulness. We're happy to be able to encourage them. In addition, what about the Mountain View congregation here in the state of Tennessee? Brother William French was with us not too many weeks ago thanking us for our support of that church. They are laboring in an area, again, where the church is exceedingly weak. I'm sure that we each can be thankful God allows us to be a part of a work like that. To those two, we might add the work of Ron Gilbert. He shared with us not too many weeks ago about the successes and the ongoing efforts in both Africa and other places. And yet, as we participate in that work, notice we have a desire to share the message of truth with those even in far distant places. They need the gospel as well. Wasn't it true? Our Lord said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Be they black or white, brown, yellow, or red, it makes no difference. And these individuals, in so many cases, have been blessed to appreciate that truth. Perhaps to close our list, in a very different set of circumstances in Eastern Europe, we support Curry Montague, and perhaps you're well aware that the church in Hungary, again, is relatively weak. Not terribly surprising given the historical nature of communism in that part of the world. And yet... Curry has continued, and that congregation is at least able to hold its own for a while. Finally, what about the work of Jack Honeycutt and others, whom we have supported in several efforts in India? You and I as a congregation have been a part of these things. As we continue our journey, our reflection, our recollection this morning, you'll notice that we have also sponsored Restoration Radio Network. James Jones, that particular radio program airs literally around the world. The truth is being sent in so many ways. May I suggest to you, may I suggest to each of us that we continue to pray for these efforts and these works. And even though we'll continue to encourage by way of financial support, may we appreciate so much great work from the things of God in those efforts. Continuing on our journey. Many of the occasions our elders have been approached by those in need of physical blessings in some way or another, financial hardship and difficulty, and yet we as a congregation responded. Under the banner of Galatians 6.10, do good to all men, especially to those of the household of faith. One more time, you might notice the next one. Although it's been well over six months now, think back to the gospel meeting that we enjoyed back in the early part of the month of May. Jeremiah Tatum was with us. We had excellent attendance, powerful messages, so many encouraging words from sister congregations. It is to that, I might ask. We gave additional thought to improvements to our facilities. The parking lot, as you notice, has been significantly improved and shall be even again in the coming year. We even had discussion at one point about adding on to our building in a directive way, and there will be additional efforts along that way to improve our classrooms and otherwise next year. God can do wonderful things among us. May our faithfulness and our efforts of dedication in His service never go unappreciated. To that list, you'll notice, 
you might just remember that early, late in May, we hosted a public discussion. Jack Cunnicutt and Michael Bronner had a discussion concerning baptism and whether it was essential for salvation. Two consecutive nights, we were blessed not only to gather, but in fact to have a number of visitors come our way. You might ask about our attendance. What about our dedication, our determination as a body of people? Our attendance fell last, this year compared to last. In fact, almost 7%. The average number as it's listed there is a tally up through last Sunday, obviously. And as you give thought to it, each of us might ask, what was my role in this? Was I as diligent and dedicated as I could have been? Some for all of us to consider. It is true that some chose to leave us this past year, place their membership elsewhere, and we understand in some cases the reasons. But again, our point might well be to ask ourselves. Sometimes there's sickness and other matters which will prevent an attendance, but may we never choose just not to be here. The numbers at the bottom might well lead you to appreciate that was true across the board. From the Sunday morning Bible study through the Sunday evening worship and the Wednesday night as well. I tried to summarize some of that even graphically. Over the last several years, there's a snapshot of our Sunday morning worship attendance. Starting from the year 2007 up until this past year. God has truly been very good to us in many ways in which souls and individuals have blessed us with an increasing attendance. Attendance numbers by themselves don't tell the whole story. Personal growth and individual mastery of the things of God, but it does at least give us an opportunity to reflect on the health of our overall congregation and each of us as we contribute to it. The next picture will be another graph. It will also show the Sunday morning Bible study attendance beginning at 2012. What about your place in that Bible study attendance? You know, as the new year comes, it'd be a great time to make a personal determination. If you're not in the habit of attending that Bible study, make it so. I can assure you, you'll be benefited and blessed. And God will be honored by your presence. You'll notice again, we had a decline last year. The Sunday evening worship, the picture looks a little bit like this. One more time, as we've moved forward from 2015 to 2016, you'll notice a bit of a decline. What about you and me as it relates to that Sunday evening worship service? Might we make a determination, 5.30 every Sunday, to be sure to be here if we can. Finally, one last one will be the Wednesday evening one, but it'll show something very similar. As you think about then the consideration of that attendance... Our times of assembly are exceedingly important. And it has been so since the days of, of course, the New Testament. Paul admonished those of his day to always appreciate the importance of the assembly. In Acts chapter 20, we notice Paul gathered lovingly with the brethren at Troas. And he did so with urgency. Even though he desired, of course, to make it on to Jerusalem, he wanted to meet with the brethren May you and I look especially upon those occasions of assembly too. As we continue our journey, we've maintained a website for folks all over the world with an internet connection to, to consider and to consult. Things on there like our sermons and other avenues which they can learn about the plan of salvation, that's no light thing either. 
as we come to the close of that, let me again say, these numbers don't tell the whole story. It wasn't my intent that they should, but they at least allow you and me fodder for recollection and appreciation. What about the coming year? What would you and I like for it to be said this time next year in relation to the Pippin Church of Christ? What would you and I like for it to be said this time next year concerning your faith and mine? I know that there's much that might be said about New Year's resolutions, and there's much that might be said about the turning of the calendar from one month to the next, and that's not to go un unappreciated to be sure. But the matter will be this. If they're written a dedication behind that, if they're written a very strong and concerted attempt, it's not likely to materialize. Next Sunday, if it be the will of God, will be January 1, 2017. It'll be the first opportunity for assembly in the new year. It'll be a wonderful time for you and me as the Pippin congregation to assemble and to gather. Let's think now about that year in light of these things. May I say to you, numbers are something God will take care of. It's always been that way. If you and I will take care to do the things of God, the numbers will take care of themselves. And they'll be a reflection of that growth that will be appreciated not only in the lives of individuals, but yea, in terms of congregation. Didn't Paul say it like this in 1 Corinthians 3.8? I have, I have planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. If you and I are determined and in fact committed to those things of the Word of God, you can appreciate the blessings that will naturally follow not only in our lives individually, but yea, congregationally. Some specifics might well be these. I would hope that all of us would be quick to recollect this statement. It's a commandment found in 2 Peter 3.18, but yet it reads like this, Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. In the coming year, are you and I then determined with intent to carry that out? To experience growth in the things of spiritual character? We often look upon the growth of our children physically and we're thankful for that. We're amazed, quite frankly, at the way in which God brings that about. But yet, what about spiritual growth next year? Are you and I determined to make that a high priority? I trust that we are, and we here at the congregation, our church, is going to try to, in fact, encourage all of that in the lives of each of us. Consider the next one. That growth, you know, will begin and end with the Word of God. I'm thankful God's made it that simple, quite frankly. In Romans 10, 17, isn't it true that we read, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. May each of us make the Bible a very dear friend next year, if it didn't already, to study from it, to read from it, to always be diligent in our consideration of it, to let it be the guide of our life, and to recognize any it not an antiquated document that's ancient and outdated, but rather a document that is ever living and active and one that does have the answers to the matters we face. That's the Word of God. I have asked you to think about some verses. 
you'll notice that that faith as it's described like this. Would you read with me in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1? I think we each can be impressed at that ancient congregation. Remember, as Paul wrote to that letter to the Thessalonians, the first letter, of course, had been one in which many things were said about the second coming of Jesus. But yet when the second letter was written, which it appears was not many months later, Paul had these words to say. Think about the matter of faith, would you? It says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. Based only on that verse, wouldn't you have the highest consideration in relation to the church at Thessalonica? Notice, it's not that it was a past tense verb. It says, your faith is growing exceedingly. May that be true of you and me this coming year. May our faith grow exceedingly, and that, of course, will emanate in that love that abounds. Look at what else we might say. I would suggest that one of the grandest statements of all, as far as our congregational desire, might be housed in the wording of 1 Timothy 3, verse 15. I'd like for us to devote a few moments to reflecting on that passage. Remember, the church to which Paul wrote there was the church in Ephesus. Timothy was the gentleman who was stationed, or at least working with that church at the time. And as that letter was written, Paul said, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. A few points, it seems to me, are worthy of some consideration. First, there is a certain decorum, a way of behavior that was not arbitrary. Timothy, here's how you need to behave and here's how the church needs to conduct itself. May you and I appreciate that. It's not true that God just accepts any and everything. But he went on to say, this is the house of God. Now, it's not the building. It's you and me. The church is the people, the Christians, those who have dedicated their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, who live beneath the banner of King Jesus. That's us. That house of God, it says, is the church of the living God. And finally, it's the pillar and ground of the truth. You and I should have an insatiable desire for the truth. Nothing else ought to do. A desire to not only know it, but to live it, to encourage it in the lives of others. And we as a congregation are the bright and shining lighthouse, if you please, in this community that is the presenter of truth. May I ask that we each recognize what responsibility comes our way as we think about the coming year. You and I are the emissaries of truth, the ambassadors of it. We're the very ones who, in fact, not only present it by way of word, but we live it. That truth will impact every facet of your life and mine. What you say, where you go, what you think, and the way in which we go about doing those things. Because isn't it true that every thought even needs to be brought into captivity to to Jesus Christ? 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 4. The pillar and ground of the truth. That word pillar, you see, has to do, as you know, with a superstructure that provides the strength and the fortitude, the fortress-like matter that goes with it. 
The church is that way. How important is the church to you and me? Is our membership in it just a by thought, a by word, a happenstantial thing that we don't think about much except Sundays and Wednesdays? May it always be more than that. It really is the pillar and ground of the truth. As you reflect upon that with me, let's close that slide like this. It should be our desire just as the New Testament writers asserted to ensure that everything that's done is done with proper authority in the Bible. I suppose there are fewer matters of greater import than that because without Bible authority, we have no assurance at all that God's pleased with what we do. We need a thus saith the Lord to identify the way in which we do it and the reasons why. It's our intent here at Pippin to do that. It's our intent to always make sure that that's the case. No wonder in light of those things, let's go to the closing slide of our lesson today. This closing slide continues those thoughts as we revisit some of those things we mentioned earlier. We're going to continue, you see, on the bedrock foundation of the consistency that has been true since the old Jerusalem gospel was first set forth. We aren't interested in the fads and fancies of culture and time. We always want to do what pleases our Master. And so we're going to continue in worship services to do those things that God authorizes. We're not going to add to or take from because that's the way God wants it. His ways are far higher than our own, Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. And therefore, we dare not try to tell God what He wants in worship. And we're not going to dare to try to tell Him what He is going to accept. It's His prerogative to accept it or not. And we're going to offer what is the truth and what the New Testament demands. You'll always feel free to receive that when we assemble here. And our elders are intent on making sure that's so. In addition to that, you'll notice, we do intend to move forward in all the ways that are consistent with the Word of God. Wasn't it true that Paul wasn't content to simply rest in the past? In Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14, he himself so quickly was able to recall the circumstances in which he formerly was. He said, forgetting those things which are behind, I press forward to those things that are before now, you and I can often learn vital lessons from the past, for we know how things turned out. But from those mistakes, may we learn not to make them again, and from the successes, may we build upon them. Again, verse 14 says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul was pressing forward. What about you and me? May we not simply be pressing sideways or backward, but forward. Perhaps one last thing. That church in Philippi had so many positive things that could well be recollected. I called your attention, verse number 9 of Philippians chapter 4. Positive things upon which they could well remember. But Paul said it's not enough just to remember those things. Make sure that you appreciate what lies ahead. Press forward. Isn't it true that none of us know specifically and in detail, what the year 2017 brings. It might be hard. It could be very challenging. It could, in fact, bring a whole host of harshness that you and I haven't yet understood. But one thing is true, that we know that we are in the hollow of the great God of heaven, 
And as long as we're His faithful children, He's assured us that all things work together for good to them that love God. Romans 8, 28. And He has assured you and me that if we're faithful to Him, whatever befalls us in this life, we can leave it with confidence of going to a place better than this one. As we strive to embed those thoughts in our mind, Psalm 37, verses 5 and following, make a statement of commitment. I will be faithful to the Lord. I hope you and I will follow those kinds of considerations and use them powerfully as a strong premise for the coming year. As you come to the conclusion aspect of that slide, you'll notice that in so doing, we're going to give some thought in the coming year to some activities, to some things that will not only bless and benefit our youth, but yea, hopefully all of us. I hope we'll each be encouraging and supportive, that we'll each be, in fact, rather excited to consider what we can embed in our youngsters in light of their continued knowledge and faithfulness even in things concerning the Word of God. This lesson today was entitled, This Year and Next Year. One of the sobering thoughts, of course, about time is that once it passes, you can't go back and change it. History is exactly that. It can't be undone. It can't be changed. It is forever cemented, if you please, in the reality of what it was. But you realize, of course, that the present is what rests with you and me. And you and I have a moment of decision to make. An encouragement, a song of invitation is about to be offered. It might well be that there's somebody in this audience, one person or more, who has reached an age of knowing wrong from right, but you're not faithful. You've never become a Christian. Don't you want to be part of that great citizenship whose numbers are ranked in the halls of heaven? And those who, in fact, can live this life in the confident assurance of pleasing the one who died for you. That plan of salvation continues unchanged since the days of Acts chapter 2 like this. You must believe in Jesus as a Son of God, repent of your sins, confess His name, and be immersed, baptized for the remission of sins. But it might be that there's one or more in this number who, though once a faithful Christian, is not now. Maybe you've been derelict in attendance. Maybe you have, in fact, done other things in life. And others who have watched have had reason to question your commitment to Jesus. It would be a great, great day to make a public reaffirmation, rededication, if you please, to let others know, I am repenting and I have made a change and it is my determined intent that I'm going to do better in the future. If we could pray to God on your behalf today, it'd be our privilege and our honor to do it. That which is required is not rebaptism, you see, but rather, as we read in the New Testament, repent of those sins, make confession of them, and beseech faithful brethren to pray for you. Today, if we could be an honorable response to assist you in either of those ways, we'd be happy to do it. And right now, Brother Jonathan has chosen this song of encouragement. If you'd like to come, why not do it now while we stand and sing?